Studs on the road, and this is our first New York interview. Brad and I have been kind of slow getting started here, so we appreciate our guest this evening, uh, Katie Skelly, for uh, meeting with us on a night after work. Yeah, thank you for coming over to Queens. Thanks for coming to Astoria. It's nice here. It's really the neighborhood we're in is very minimal. There's not a lot around there, but this is like I like the community feeling. It's mm-hmm. got a Kind of reminds me of. Uh, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> We're in the second largest Greek, Greek community in the world. Yep. Yeah. What neighborhood are you guys in right now? Uh, Windsor Terrace. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that area. Yeah, there's like, it's that's also very like neighborhoody, but it's a little bit more sort of down low on the. It's like a little bit more lo-fi than here. Yeah. yeah. A lot of families. Yeah. There's a giant graveyard. Yes. There's a lot of ghosts. I know that graveyard. Per the raccoons in it. I haven't seen one. <laughs> Be careful. Well, now we know our plans for tonight. They're not wearing masks, just heavy makeup they put on to read poetry. So Katie's uh, two main books out right now is Nurse Nurse from Sparkplug and uh, Operation Margarine. Um, 
from Ad House. And Brandon, you were pronouncing it uh, margarine. I am never someone to... If, if, if we wanted to ever shame me publicly, would just have me sit around and try to pronounce things. Because I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I sit in my room and read comic books and don't... And glance at them and decide what, what they're called. I've corrected people on artist names who I like because they said it correctly and I said my made-up version. Mm. But, um, yes. I just was wondering if it was like American pronunciation. I say margarine, um, but Chris Pitzer, who is, you know, U.S. dude, says margarine, and he says it to everyone who comes to the ad house table, anyone he talks to about the book says margarine. So I think the cool thing about both of the titles of both of my books is that they're kind of open-ended in terms of how you can say them, like, or even how you write them, like nurse, nurse, people put a comma in there, some people put quotations for some reason. Nurse, nurse. Yeah, exactly. You can just, it's open-ended. And I kind of, like, it's kind of hippy-dippy, but I'm like, oh, that's cool, like, bring what you want to it, you know? So, yeah. And then you also have your Tumblr comic, which you're in the early stages of the, uh, the vampire. Yeah, it's called My Pretty Vampire. My Pretty Vampire. Yeah. So I'm working on that right now, and I just did a mini comic of it, and I had it at SBX, um, and I sold out, which was great. I sold out the first day, so How it's always hard. Like you don't know what the response is going to be to something new. I had 50 with me. Oh, that's so really great. on the first day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it feels good to like get you know degenerate filth into like people's hands, <laughs> especially so quickly and like on mass. Like it just I don't know. It's a little like spring in my step. Is that where the vampire book's going? Um, yeah, well, I was doing these, um, do you guys hear these kids screaming outside? Is that okay? <laughs> Maybe, can I just Yeah, this? yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Welcome to Queens. So you feel like you've entered the erotic vampire phase of your career? Yes. Um, I was doing this comic, I'm, I'm still doing it, um, for this website, sluttist.com, which is edited by, um, a former co-worker of mine. But it's uh, like sex positivity feminist site, and so she was like, "I want someone to do dirty comics for this," and she knew me like from work, and she she would always ask me at work like, "Do you ever do dirty comics?" And it was like such a funny conversation to be having. Right, you're like, just well, like, this is inappropriate. You're like, yeah, but okay, sure. Um, <laughs> yes, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but only after I finish this spreadsheet. Yeah. But like, so we kind of worked something out. So I was doing those for um, pretty like regularly for six or seven months. And then doing that, like, and starting to work in that area became a lot easier to put, um, like, just erotic stuff in the regular work in general. Because with, like, Nurse Nurse and Marjorie, it's like, I resisted it Mm -hmm. so much because I was so uncomfortable with it. But now I feel like it can be more seamless because I've done it so many times, so to speak. Do you feel like your approach to doing, like, like, is your storytelling different when you're doing something dealing with sexuality? Um, yeah, well, the, the comics for Sluttist, which, um, were called Agent 8, um, they, I was like, you know, we kind of worked out the terms of, like, what I was going to actually do for the site, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do four or five pages every month for you for X amount, um, and I'm going to turn them in on the 15th of every month, just like, you know, the rent, um, so... It was, it was like a challenge to figure out, okay, how do you fit sort of any kind of like sexual encounter into that short span without it just being sex. And I wanted to resist like heteronormative stuff. I didn't want it to just be that. Like I, so in every strip it's like, you know, she has sex with a skeleton, she has sex with like a mushroom, with like, you know, like a clone of her. I I read the mushroom one. The sexy, yeah. Did you do, and you were in one of the Thickness books as well. Yeah, and I did Thickness in 2011. 
Right. That yeah. Was the first one. Right? Yeah. So that was like the first time I ever did any sort of sexy stuff. So thanks, Ryan Sands and Michael DeFord for um, <laughs> inviting me to, to get on that path. So that was your first erotic stuff published? Published, yeah. Okay. Like, I, I always sit around and just draw, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, everyone just sits around drawing butts and dicks. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Everyone does that, right? Yeah. Right. There, was a, there was a comic, who did the comic book? I was basing on the artist name, but there's a comic who did a, there's an artist who did a webcomic about a, um, an, a Garfield image on the back of a car that, with him with his tail up, and what an affront to cartoonists it was <laughs> to not draw a cat's asshole when you have that option, and how it was just there to, you know, it's just the biggest F you you could have to anyone that's <laughs> ever held a pencil. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can do it, you should do it. And was it something that, was getting that work out there something, was it uncomfortable at all for you? The first few times it felt really uncomfortable like doing thickness I felt really nervous about it and so my way of kind of dealing with that was like again removing like the heteronormativity of it and just mm -hmm. being like okay well I'm gonna make them sort of like alien fish like amphibious creatures that don't have like human genitals they have like weird sort of knobs they like right. mash into each other um so beyond heteronormativity that's that's kind of removing the humanity right yeah no exactly just like total human sexuality is just like nah but i wanted like something that i always kind of like about well i shouldn't say all of it but you know like erotic manga is mm -hmm. that i always feel like it has like this kind of happy ending at mm -hmm. the end of it so to speak um you know, like, it's usually, like, about a couple or, like, people who really like each other and they figure something out and, like, I don't know. I, I really like that element of it. So I was like, I don't want it to just be sex and then it ends. Right. So at the end of it, I had her, like, laying a bunch of eggs and, like, she hatches a bunch of jellyfish right. out of those. And I was like, it's nice to have, like, a life cycle to this. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, like, kind of the the parameters of working that way that I started out with. Were there any specific careers you're looking at? Doing um, porn and manga? For that? Well, I always really liked Guido Craypax. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, like, I he has don't. the best name, the best yes, worst name. Exactly. Yeah, Guido. Um, Guido Craypax. Craypax. <laughs> I liked, um, I love the Valentina comics and I love mm -hmm. Story of O. Um, but, and obviously, I don't get as hardcore in any of that stuff as he ever did. Um, but just kind of knowing that that was out there mm -hmm. and like and it was something that I really enjoyed and it wasn't something that felt creepy to mm -hmm. me. Um, that really kind of helped me like say, okay, like you can do this. It's not a big deal. A lot of people do it. I mean, Barbarella is also another one. It, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not... Um, that feels very much like your aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. That was a big thing for me when I was getting started, especially with Nurse Nurse. Um, and, you know, the sexuality in that is uh, kind of removed, too. It's almost like there's always a vignette, and it's like, oh, like, you know, she got laid, but they don't right. show it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So, yeah, it's a lot more of a sort of, like, titillation in Barbarella. Hmm. Um, I feel like we should, we should move back to kind of your, your beginnings with comics. And, mm -hmm. and uh, was, it, was it something that you grew up on? Or like, what was your, um, what was kind of your early connection with, with the media? Um, I would, my dad worked at a newsstand, um, still does, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from, mm -hmm. and he would bring comics home for me that, like, weren't selling, you know, like, the covers would be torn off, right. um, so that was almost like, that kind of helped me learn how to read, so I've always been reading comics, they've just, like, always been around. Was he, 
pick anything specific or was it it was always like kid friendly stuff like I remember like a lot of Harvey comics mm-hmm. and Disney comics and um, I feel like I was reading Ninja Turtles but maybe it was like after they sort of were revamped and it wasn't that black and white right. hardcore was it the Archie of... Turtles being I think so yeah I want to say that right. so was this in the <laughs> was this in the 90s this was in um, I was born in 85 so this would be like late 80s, early 90s, yeah. I had to readjust things because immediately you're talking about this stuff, and I was like, oh, of course, it's probably around 84, and I was like, <laughs> she's not like you, old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, I'm not. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this for my iron lung. <laughs> you're on the list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always read comics, and like I was always trying to make comics, and, like, I, I just liked, it was really intoxicating to me, like, image and word together. Mm-hmm. And still, like, to this day, nothing sort of satisfies me like a comic book right. does. Um, my second love would probably be film, but I just, I just love the language of comics so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were you, were there, were there films that you were introduced to early on as well? Um, you know, growing up, like watched a ton of like Disney animation and stuff like that. It wasn't really until college that I feel like I got a grasp on like, here are the movies I really like to watch. And, you know, I would go, I would, I worked at the library in the like audio visual part of it. And that was great because I could just like, like fuck off all day and watch movies and no one would bother me. Like my job was to help fix computers. And I think everyone knew like, don't send Skelly to fix a computer. This is a joke. Um, (laughs) It was like, a work study job, and so it's just like, oh, well, do whatever the fuck you want. You make like eight dollars every ten years, um, so. Seems reasonable. Yeah, exactly. It was it was fine, um, but I yeah just uh, was watching Godard and Antonioni and Fellini and starting to you know get into the French New Wave and Italian New Wave oh, and nice. um, I actually saw like Twin Peaks on tape there that someone had like taped off TV before you could get it you know on DVD. Because your work has a very stylized feel to it that feels very informed by like that type of film. Yeah, I I really love Godard. I think probably more than anything. Like, do you have a favorite of his? Uh, Made in USA. I, I only really know Alphaville. Alphaville is also fantastic. Um, I feel like Alphaville for me is kind of more like the spirit than the letter. Like I love. You know, that it's just kind of like, oh, here's a post-structuralist film and we're just playing with language and, you know, we're in uh, modern-day Paris, but we're saying it's way in the future. Right. Uh, and I thought that that was really cool. And that's something that I also really love about the Barbarella movie is, um, you know, it's just like all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it's literally like, here's a mirror and like we got a bunch of colored smoke over it. We're on Mars. You know, so I like that sort of... Um, like imaginativeness in those films really inspired me, especially with Nurse Nurse, because I'm like, I can't, you know, like, I, I can't draw like you. Like, I can't do, like, big sort of space scenes. I can't do a spaceship. I don't, I don't even fucking know perspective. But just to be I able like, to be I like, like I can draw. Nurse Nurse. Thank you. <laughs> be like, here's a spaceship that looks like a football. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, it's my rules. Like, I'm the auteur here. Yeah. It's okay. Um, that was like, that was really, really helpful for, to me. Cause for the longest time I was way too intimidated to try anything like that. Right. I'm almost like, in Nurse Nurse especially, it feels, it feels very manga influenced. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like, you know, the black and white and like, just sort of, um. Almost like, like maybe the 60s, 70s stuff. Yeah. Just the design of, did you see, there's a, a Japanese animation called the Kaiba. 
came out a while back. I don't know that one. It's very like Tezuka style. Oh, <laughs> outer space stuff. Kaiba. Yeah. Cool. I love um, Cutie Honey. Oh yeah. I'm trying to like get some of the 1973 episodes to watch. It's Have so you seen the live good. Action? Um, no, I haven't. I'm a little bit like afraid it's to. It's surprisingly good. It doesn't it feel good? 70s, but okay. it's um, because you know Japanese comic books don't necessarily translate that well to live mm-hmm. action. Right. Right. But yeah, I like Cutie Honey a lot. And like the the stories in that are really fantastical. And they, it's just so like fast paced and you don't know whether you're coming or going when you're watching that show. And to think like this was just on TV and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. I don't know, I'm fascinated by that. That yeah, guy is such a bizarre figure to, to learn about. Yeah. Do you know much about him? No, I don't. It's very... Um, the thing I always think about with him is um, <clears throat> he he would get in a lot of trouble because mm. he was very much like a Japanese underground comics artist almost. Mm. Um, where he was he was really trying to, you know, he was pushing a lot of drugs and sex and whatever in his work. And uh, and the PTA, the Japanese PTA would, you know, would uh, push t- for censorship on his work. And so he specifically had a comic to fuck with them where it was like, <laughs> it was about uh, high school that every, I think every chapter of it ended in an orgy at them fighting the PTA. So it was like a riot orgy. That's awesome. That's perfect. So yeah, it was a lot of that stuff. Yeah. It's interesting that things like that and Barbarella and whatever connection, because those are things that are very, um, I don't know, they're, they're, uh, I don't know, there's almost like a teenage boy aesthetic, but through a filter of kind of classy, uh, you know, it's like uh, 1960s beehive haircuts or something. Yeah. No, definitely. I think, um, I think, like, Barbarella tried, I think it really did try to have ideas behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it just wanted to be a sexy sort of titillation comic. Mm-hmm. Because it, it almost kind of fails at that mm-hmm. by, like, modern, by contemporary standards, I feel like. Because there's not a lot of skin. Like, the sex is all sort of tucked away in right. it. Um, and, I don't know, it's just odd. Like, you have Barbarella, you know, riding a sled that's being pulled by roosters and then these little bad Victorian children that send dolls to bite her and she's being attacked right. by parakeets. Like, it's not... You're not like, oh, man, can't get enough of that. It's very odd. I'm sorry, it's a million miles away. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> How much longer after that was the um, Flesh Gordon? Oh. I never... Well, Flesh Gordon was... Was that Corbin? Oh, um, no. Not Corbin. Um, Corman. Corbin's the cartoonist. Oh, I was thinking of the... There was a flesh. Wasn't there a Flesh Gordon comic book as well? It's okay. Sorry, my cat is going crazy. I did she not is just the <laughs> she is the star of the show. Okay, good job, girl. Yeah. Way to be. Katie's cat is such, uh, and and really the the entire apartment here is we're seeing in one of your comic books. Yeah. What's yeah. That, what's this? Is this a faster Pussycat Kill 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 poster? Yeah, it is. Um, I just like. I wanted to get a poster to put up there, and um, I found this weird website that just like, does like random stills from films, and this is the one of um, uh, Haji and I don't remember the other girl's name. I want to say it's Lori, but they're driving like the they're dragging the first killed guy in mm-hmm. the film um, out into the desert uh, to just kind of hide his body in a trunk or something, right. um, and that like. That movie was such a big deal for me too, um, especially with like doing Operation Margarine. I just right. I loved I love 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 that movie. So it's very like 
expressionistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like it's again it, it's almost like it's like a Barbarella where it's like you know this could be it's Russ Meyer it could be a titillating film but it's right. so menacing and so artsy kind of right. against its own nature that it becomes something totally alien do you think that there's a, like an element of power fantasy almost in that um, yeah, definitely. I mean, when I watch it, I think about beating the shit out of people. Like, I I have power fantasies watching it all the time. It makes me feel great. Do you get that same, same kind of stuff out of when you do things like margarine? Yeah, definitely. Um, it it kind of helps me, like, work things out. Like, you know, like, I did that t-shirt with Sebei, the, yeah. like, big bonbon just saying, like, fuck you. That's from the book. And... I drew that around, like, this time last year, and I was just having such, like, a miserable time, and I was so mad at the world, and, like, being able to work it out in those pages felt really good, and I feel like they're some of the strongest pages that I've ever done because Mm -hmm. of that. Um, And seeing how well people relate to that has been Mm -hmm. really important for me, like, because with Nurse Nurse, I think people were like, this is really cool, this is a good idea, and, you know, there were some sort of, like, emotional pieces to it, but I don't feel like I got as, like vulnerable as I did in mm. Operation Margarine. Um, so that's been really important for me to see and, and really inspiring. Like, okay, like you can go to that place in your work and it'll be okay. Right. I'm interested if, if, if you're feeling like a, you have a, a I, don't, I, I feel like it, your work seems to be much more, people, people are getting to know your work really well now after the first two books mm-hmm. or after these, these books being widely available. And I'm wondering if you have a better sense of the type of people that read your books now. Um, or, it's or really, <laughs> it's like it's really all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's cool. Um, at SVX, I had this ten-year-old girl come up and be like, "I really want to get this book," and her mom's with her. And you know, Chris Pitzer, the Ad House publisher, is very um, sort of sensitive about like young kids reading mature material because right. <laughs> you know, there's cursing and there's guns, and, and he doesn't want to get. Right, and yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to get dad house in Trub Trub. Like, I'm going to do the responsible <laughs> thing here. And I was like, hey, uh, mom, I just like showed her the back like, where it says mature readers. And she's like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, oh, it has some like cursing and nudity and stuff like that. And she's like, she turns to her kid and she's like, can you handle that? And she's like, yeah. I was like, wow, okay, like, kids are cool now, I guess. Like, <laughs> Rolls her eyes and gives you the jerk off. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, she, like, we had the Bon Bon t-shirts out, and they're like, fuck you on them, you know? And this kid is like, these are cool. And I was like, what the hell, man? Like, if I, you know, went there with my mom, I'd be, like, in trouble just for knowing about things that had fuck you on them. Right. So it's very different. But there's, you know, like, young women are very into it. Um, like, young sort of, like, hipster dudes are into it. Older guys who are like into sort of lowbrow shit like it. It's just like all over the place. Like it runs the gamut. So that's really cool. Nice. There was a bit of time between finishing Nurse Nurse and starting this, wasn't there? I finished Nurse Nurse in, I want to say, like at the end of 2011. And then I started Margarine kind of towards the end of 2012. So there was a little bit of time between then. It It was hard. Like I didn't. Um, when Nurse Nurse came out, I didn't really know, like, what I was supposed to be doing in terms of promotion. I didn't know, like, you know, is that sort of it? Do I even want to keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then I just sort of realized, like, I don't know. I just felt like I had another story in me. And I wanted it to be different. And I wanted to take stuff that, like, 
I'd learn how to do from the first book and just translate it and make it a little bit different, like simplify it a little bit and not be like, I don't know, not be afraid to get into the like darker stuff that I wanted to. And I, I just feel like I'm on this like darker spiral now. <laughs> like, now I've done... But you're kind of jumping into it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's funny because it's like as my sort of like personal like happiness and like well-being kind of goes up, like the material inside the book is starting to get into like darker places and I'm more comfortable doing that Mm -hmm. which is funny I thought like like you have to be like really fucked up to like make fucked up stuff but I feel like um I don't know just the more comfortable you are with life I guess you can kind of just talk about anything well like when we met uh Junko Mizuno and uh who makes very dark work it's like super (laughs) well adjusted (laughs) right yeah yeah well, I feel like like the heart of a lot of her work is loneliness. Mm. You know, I mm-hmm. think like the Cinderella story, like her ad- adaptation of Cinderella is kind of a lonely story of like a woman who is taking on all this responsibility by herself. You know, like she's kind of tasked with like taking care of her father's business. And then Pelu, it's like, it's this, it's almost like cute body horror where mm-hmm. it's like you have, you know, these sort of funny internal creatures that are like I'll never find like a little <clears throat> home for myself and it's it's sad like right. you know do you think that you're you're do you think it's something you're able to to look at your work and, and kind of see themes in it like that um at this point it's like it's weird but I feel so disassociated from my work right. a lot of the themes seems like dealing with jerks <laughs> well that is definitely a big theme in my life um no it's just like I don't know I can look at stuff that I've done and be like, I don't even, like, remember doing that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it feels weird. You're like, I don't feel like this is a, a thing that came out of me. I don't know. It's odd. It's, it's like, I'm still processing Nurse Nurse being Is it almost like, I have this, um, I have this very, uh, you know, hippy-dippy idea of, <laughs> of the work sometimes about it almost being an animal of itself. Like, you have mm-hmm. your, you know, like, you've got this, this autonomous being cat over here. You've got, <laughs> you've got your art as this, separate thing that you have to treat yeah. a certain way and, and you have to you know keep your enthusiasm going forward and and um, I don't know and sometimes in that and this is something I don't even necessarily always believe or think about but I, at certain points I felt like it was like a thing I had to maintain and nurture and not and in it kind of like a separate thing from yourself mm. yeah yeah I mean I've like I think aside from I mean, even those those bonbon pages that I was talking about, it's never, like, a one-to-one correlation where I'm like, I, you know, feel... Or this thing happened to me, so I draw this. And I think even the times that I've done some, like, auto-bio stuff just for myself, just for practice, it's still never never a one-to-one correlation. So there's always editing stuff out, and you're always adding different things in, and, you know. So it it is this weird sort of, like... Yeah, it is this animal totally unto itself. What types of what types of subjects do you do when you do autobiographical? I just like to draw about like here's shit that happened to me today. Mm-hmm. You just kind of like be in practice and like, you know, whatever. Like here's what I drew today, or here's what I wore today, and here's what I ate, or um, just kind of stuff like that. You did, but some never work. interesting enough for like public consumption. <laughs> did you do some of those style blog? I did, I was trying to do something where I would draw what I wore every day, Um, but then it was just kind of like, we had this terrible winter where all I was wearing was just like a ton of shit on top of each other, and it wasn't like aesthetically interesting, and I also just felt so depressed having to wear that every day, that I was like, oh, I need a break, 
And then, you know, I didn't get back into it. I'm like, oh, it's summer. And I also hate summer because it's yeah. like now I have to wear like one thing at a time. So yeah. fall is like optimal. So I should definitely get, <laughs> get back into it. Fall and spring are both pretty good. And like early winter. Mm-hmm. So I could pick that up again. Right. Um, do you, are the characters Bon Bon Mark are any kind of different facets of you then? I think they, they like have to be. Um, I feel like when I started doing the book, I was more in like a margarine place, and now I'm like more in a bonbon place. It's <laughs> it's like something I I really like about this book, and something that I think is the reason that a lot of people relate to it is because um, it feels like tapping into these sort of like archetypal types of people, mm-hmm. where it's like okay, you have like kind of a good weak person, and you have kind of a bad strong person. Um, and tapping into that sort of like Russmeyer yeah. aesthetic where, you know, all sort of law is removed, like ideology is kind of removed, but then comes right. back in a big way. Um, so, yeah, I think um, <laughs> I relate to Bon Bon more now because it's like I'm more sort of willing to just go and do stuff that I like and not feel victimized by anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I made Brandon watch. Um, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, that's a good before, one. Uh, before this trip. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that they made the trans character the villain. Different time, you know? I mean, I feel like you still see that stuff come out. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Silence of the Lambs. I mean, I, I know that's even a long time ago now, yeah. but there's still, there, there are always problematic sort of treatments of anyone who's not. I think everyone in that movie is the villain, too. <laughs> I think Roger, Roger Ebert was the villain. Yeah, Roger Ebert is yeah. the villain. <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to um, an interview with uh, Roger Ebert and um, Gene Siskel, and they talked about the movie, and Gene is just, like, flaying him. Like, you know, it's really irresponsible for you to have, you know, a character shoot a woman in the mouth at the end of it and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, it's just an image, it's just a representation, that sort of thing. It was a good, it was a good interview. Huh. Um but yeah, I'm always I'm always interested in those sorts of discussions of like, is something problematic? Is something sort of irresponsible? Like, and what does that actually mean? Right, and, and uh, yeah, that is, that is really interesting. I'm Pro- surprised we're saying wrong. Well, problematic. It's something I think about a lot because problematic for one person isn't problematic for the other. Right. And there's a danger, and this is coming from someone who, in his professional life, is all about it's a very everything's very careful in what we do but in art I get concerned that we're too worried about being right. not problematic right. and not challenging and mm. kind of yeah that's really important I think there's a I think it's an important thing to have the conversation though and and say you know if these are themes that continue to keep mm-hmm. happening then uh you know what do they mean and why are we doing them and and it's you know it's it's risk i think risk is the important thing yeah it's that balance between allowing for folks to really be able to explore themselves creatively right like there's artists like crumb that are very important but i don't want to co-sign everything he does right and there's vacator which like i have no interest in vacator yeah is that just like I assume that's some of the hate centaurs I wish I really wish or love centaurs man I wish I could fucking talk (laughs) I like I'm always kind of I'm always kind of waiting for like 
because I feel like this is just sort of the like critical culture that we live in now. I'm always sort of waiting for someone to be like, this thing you did was problematic or like bad right. for some reason. And I do feel like sometimes morality plays into it, which I think is yeah. not really fair when you're talking about art. Oh, right. um, and sometimes it's but like I'm always kind of like on edge, like, when's that going to happen to me? Oh. I can't wait. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because I've, I've gotten that from, like, King City. Because mm. King City, the the female characters in it are, specific, are, you know, they're pretty limited in a lot of ways. And One is vacant. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the water lady without a name. Right, <laughs> but, um, but but it, it was interesting because I I take it as it less I, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't call it problematic I would and this is you know I'm very nice to myself about this right but it's it's that I wasn't that good at writing then as mm. I am now it's just a total quality thing like my intent for the characters was for them to be stronger characters than they are now right and and I think there's a lot of that and that's and that's why the conversation is good yeah to mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, has the, has the do you, do you pay attention to the critical reaction to your work? Um, at this point, not really, unless it kind of feels like something comes along where it's going to help, like push the sale of the book. Like at this point, I just I feel so like about you know just trying to get it into as many hands as possible. Right. So if if someone comes along and really likes it, and that's going to help it get into you know someone else's shelf. That makes me like feel good, and then I'll like kind of retweet it. Okay. But like you know, I when Nurse Nurse came out, I was really sensitive to all the reviews that were coming out, and um, I had a really hard time with it. And I had to learn to be like, this is someone's opinion. Like mm-hmm. you can detach from it. It's not. It doesn't matter. And then yeah. you know the next book comes out, and the next next book comes out, and right. that's just gonna happen. Like it's okay. What so. about uh, the kind of editorial process? Do you have people that you that you talked about the work when you're when you're working on it? No, I feel like I talked to people about nurse nurse when I was making it, just like mm-hmm. friends and you know other cartoonists and stuff. Um, but now whatever I do, I'm just kind of like the only advice I seek out is like, what kind of pen do you think would be good for this? Like technical stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I I really just like I don't know. Maybe this is like arrogance or something but I feel like I know what I'm doing with stories and like Mm -hmm. I just don't I don't know I just I want it to always be like my sort of vision when it's my project right you know that's what keeps it me I guess Mm -hmm. and it's interesting from going from doing these mini comics um, which honestly will have a limited distribution right into doing the book which you know Ad House has great distribution Mm -hmm. um to now doing a Tumblr comic which has infinite distribution. Right. And you're doing what, a page a week? Um, I I try to do like one or two a week. Um, I didn't like announce any sort of official schedule because I was like, that's going to be shooting myself in the foot because you know like there's going to be one week where there's a big project at work or there's going to be one week where you're like, I just don't fucking feel like it. So um, yeah, I just tried to like keep it to one or two a week. Um, and you know, then having the show and printing the mini and stuff that throws you off too. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, it, it's cool. And I've been doing them in animated GIFs just cause I wanted to see like, what could that look like? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the thing about like when you draw a bunch of psychedelic patterns and stuff, like there's only so much that that can do on the page. Like, yeah, it can disorient you. But then when you, when you're working with animation in that capacity, it's like your medium becomes infinity 
Like that's what I was, that's what I'm telling everybody. I'm like, I work in infinity now. You know, it's, like, it's very pretentious, but I love it. Um, what kind of pen do you use? Infinity. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, it's eternity. It's like Egyptian, like that. No, it's um, but that that's really cool, and I think it it makes it you know difficult to envision as a book. I do want it to be a book, and I did the mini in black and white, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, is this gonna be like? You know, there's like two Beyonce albums, like there's two versions of B-Day, and one has the extended mix of Get Me Body, and the other one's just the regular one. I was like, is this going to be like going from the extended mix to the regular one in the print? But I think people really liked it, so I'm like, okay, it's just, it's like a a remix, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's not worse, you know, so it's good. Um, But yeah, I I like doing that, and it's it's weird because it's instant gratification Mm -hmm. that way now, like... I'm but interesting. That's also you, you mentioning both both film and music and relationship to your stuff. I'm wondering if you do you do you think of you do you do you get a lot of influence? Like, do you think of your stuff in relation to music a lot, mm. and in relation to movies? Um, I definitely think about it a lot in terms of film. Uh, well, like the the sort of impetus for like the color scheme for the vampire comic, and even the comic itself was the um, made for TV version of um, the Serge Gainsbourg album. Like, he did a whole TV special of Histoire de Melody Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a lot of, like, I don't know who that guy is because someone made a comic book about him. Oh, was that the Joanne, Joanne Spar? Is that him? Yeah. He did the, the movie, too. Yeah. Did you like that? <laughs> I interviewed him. Too. <laughs> it's like Terrible. it's visually like spot on that movie. Yeah. It, like it mm-hmm. looks like everything that they did. So it's really cool in that um, aspect. Uh, but yeah, just that sort of like wanting to make something that you know it doesn't have to have a very complicated plot. Like I don't think I'll ever do a plot as complicated as Nurse Nurse again. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be a complicated plot. It's really just more about like sensation and color and mood and animations and sort of disorienting mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so yeah, I feel like I feel like that's where my style has kind of gotten to. Like that's the arc of it. So it's like now do the thing that's like the pinnacle sort of skelly thing, and then get rid of that and start over with the next project. Hmm. Yeah. You know? So is there things that you do in in work that you purposely avoid in the next work? Um, like in what I'm working on now or the one that's going to Or just in general, like after Nurse Nerd or Operation Marjorie mm-hmm. or your interview with the vampire comic you're doing now. <laughs> so <laughs> Jacob or, uh, <laughs> sorry. Huh? She's clearly team, uh, God, who's the vampire? Edward. Edward. Edward, yeah. I'm so team Jacob, I can't even see that. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, pale and I glow and, um, you know, I date 16 year olds isn't that the whole thing in that movie it's so like creepy he's like undead and at some point like, the, I uh, love you high schooler like that's so lame that's the, so uh, sure. as much as it hurts me the team Jacob character mm. and this is where Robin uh, tackled me before <laughs> and says this is not an interview about your team Jacob <laughs> is, uh, I brought it up he eventually um, he, he you know it's a battle over over um, uh, what is it Bella or I believe so. It's a battle I'm looking at you, man. You know, about, you know about this shit. I, I have no <laughs> idea. I have done well in avoiding. Well, eventually mm-hmm. she be, she becomes pregnant and has a baby, and uh, and the werewolf is just like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I wasn't into you. I was into your baby. 
and then wow, you know, that's yeah. so weird. Yeah, yeah no. Wow, that is the definition of problematic right there. Definition. I, I'm not following you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the baby grows up incredibly quick. You know, it becomes just a baby oh. with the best pits. Is it? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Brandon, see you in jail. That's like the ending of Snowpiercer. Well, we were talking oh about um, that. Are you familiar with Snowpiercer? I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, I'll, no I won't spoilers. ruin it for you at all. But there's a it's a French comic book that the Korean director adapted into a American action movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of it, there's this big monologue where the character talks about how he, he's he's had to be a cannibal, and he's like, "I know that babies taste best." And yeah. Like, Duh. Of course, babies yeah, taste best. Yeah, they're soft and yeah. easy to put in an oven, and you yeah. know, just. I bet it just falls off the bone. You oh, know what I mean? Baby, back, baby, back, baby, back. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> As you can guess, Brandon has. Hey, well, thanks it. for coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Like stuff that I am Eating avoiding. <laughs> yeah, no, we were talking, I, yeah, we were talking about if, if there's garlic salts. If there's like a specific stylistic <laughs> thing, because because mm-hmm. all of your all of your 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 style feels very um, like concreted, but the feeling of the work seems to change pretty drastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, I think, well, like, just in terms of style, like, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm getting away from the thicker line and going into a thinner one mm-hmm. and trying to figure out, like, and that's been really hard because it's, like, I know, you know, I know it, like, my own sort of hand motion and I'm so comfortable with it. Right. Um, and doing a little tiny scratchy micron pen, I, it's like this, it feels like exercise. Like, I'm like, I know this is good for me, but I fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the drawing does look better it does look like more sort of sophisticated now so that's good so you know getting away from a fat line and then like I don't know um style wise being more willing to try stuff out like more vertical panels Mm -hmm. get into um sort of shots that I wouldn't have tried before things that are a little bit more complicated and having come from like doing you know the sort of porny stuff being more like okay like I'm willing to just like just zoom in on like a body, okay, like right know, there. You know. I find it very difficult. Something that that I struggle with when I do put sex into my comics is not making it overpower the rest of the work. Right. Like you can be like, oh, there's you know, Kate this awesome comic that you know has two page or say Masamune Shiro did this Ghost in the Shell comic mm-hmm. that has a two page sex scene in it, which completely it's like. Um, it's like putting hot sauce in your frosted flakes. <laughs> it's so like it's in the books in black and white. These mm-hmm. pages are in color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, that's like kind of indulgent. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. something that you worry about at all is is having that that just kind of casually fit into the story or make sense mm-hmm. in the story. I think like avoiding. Now it's like I'm I'm so used to drawing that stuff that it does feel more seamless mm-hmm. in my work and avoiding sort of like really severe anatomical detail helps that too like if you can fit it into the sort of like expression of the rest of the work right. and avoid like you know like money shots and all that sort of stuff like that right. that helps it yeah that helps it blend in so I don't think it's going to be too overpowering <laughs> avoiding money shots the Katie Skelly interview <laughs> <laughs> babies are delicious uh-huh. and you know sometimes you just you have to not draw the genitals right. that well yeah that's what we're here for. Is that a influence? What's that? Is that a mega influence? Um, you know, it very well it like, could be. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I feel like like most of the stuff that I do has been inspired by 
manga. Have you ever, are you familiar with the manga manga the world of Japanese comics book? No. It um, it has this great chapter in it about uh, sex comics in Japan and the censorship. Mm. And they had a lot of there's there's been Japanese laws are weird and I don't understand a lot of things they do but at certain points there's been no no pubic hair and there's been like right. I think Mazda Kelly did a comic about that there's a specific image where this guy like wasn't was, gonna draw a penis it, it was all set by the the American influence with mm. uh, interesting like Puritan um, McCarthy or uh, MacArthur a little bunch of jerks yeah yeah but um, sorry <laughs> so yeah so that's it just made me think of this specific panel where they're like oh you cannot draw this guy's penis. So the artist, rather than the guy drawing that, he leaves this blank penis-shaped white space on the page, and it's it's a shot looking up at a guy from crotch level, and he's got a snake wrapped around his penis nice. to show the shape. Nice. And it's like it made it so much worse because <laughs> you didn't just let him draw an erection. <laughs> yeah, but that's um, that's great. Yeah. I feel like if you can work stuff like that in. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's great. That's um. I would love to do something like that. There's time. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I haven't even gotten into that in the vampire stuff, so. Well, something I think about a lot Let's is the, um, like, setting up, like, almost like feng shui or haiku mm. or something, like, setting up the, you know, um, like, having to work around things and creating new work because of right. that. Yeah. And, and, and comics is very much that way, where, yeah. you know, you have this page and you have to, um, I'm just going off on it. <laughs> I'm really surprised seeing your page behind you. It's, it, yeah. it's a lot larger than I, than I expected. Yeah. Is all your early pages that size? Um, all the Nurse Nurse pages were 9 by 12. Mm. And since Marjorie, since the third chapter of Marjorie, I've been doing 11 by 14. Mm. Um, so I think it really, especially doing this thinner line, like it really allows me to do a lot more in a panel mm. than I like. Do you want to see it? I do. <laughs> I'll hold it this makes amazing reading. <laughs> holding it close Brandon, to the can you explain it to the It's a really nice page, actually. <laughs> Thank you. It's got a um, a vampire lady in her underpants <laughs> saying, "You just use my body to satisfy you." Yep. And the person she's talking to says, "Dot dot dot." Isn't that isn't that theme of that Lady Gaga song? Do what you want, do what you want with my body. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Kelly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love Lady Gaga. I know she's. I know she's like kind of over now. We had a big discussion about that. Recently. Yeah. I don't know if you want to turn this in a Lady Gaga interview, but we can. I mean, we can spend a little time <laughs> on her. Sure. I mean, you know, I think. Um, I I think she was like real. People thought she was going to be like this big sort of like transgressive pop artist right. in like two thousand nine or whatever. I feel like she was. I she was. Think, I think she made the compromise to aim for fame rather than. Uh, art and it screwed her over because people thought of her as an art thing and you see that that mm-hmm. song that we were just talking about like you know if you're gonna talk about problematic then do what you want with my body with a guy who's well known for right. seducing teenage girls so he can pee on them is, right right is uh, maybe not the best the smartest move it's kind of amazing and ballsy yeah but not even in a, like, it's a tone good deaf way. to me it's it's very like i, I mean, don't it's a bang and jam it, it is a bang and jam <laughs> but it well <laughs> it's um it's just sort of like how do you how do you sort of um, preach this message of, you know, especially to, like, young teens or whatever, like, be yourself and respect yourself and, and all that shit and turn around and do a song with that guy and do right. a photo shoot with Terry Richardson. Like, it's oh, just of kind course, of like... Yeah. And, I mean, Beyonce did the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, worship Beyonce, obviously. I never got the... the highest power. Beyonce, I, I, my my rap <laughs> snobbery was really mm. just, like, 
oh, Beyonce, you're really good. You're going to fuck Jay-Z? And, and, like, find a better looking, or find a better rapper, really. Is what find I mean. a better than Jay-Z? Listen, yeah. I'm not, mm, I don't I'm need saying. any problems. I'm not going in after either of those two. I'm just saying. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see that Turn Out Live sketch where someone uh, said they didn't like Beyonce and they went to jail or something? It was like this whole The Bayhive. Yeah. yeah. That, listen, yeah. exactly. I got nothing to say about anybody. All I'm saying is that, like, you know, you put out. space. <laughs> yeah, <But> like <laughs> just don't you dare talk about LL here. Right, for that album to be hailed as this sort of like feminist visionary masterpiece, which I think you know it succeeds on that on so many levels, and then turn around and do a video with Terry Richardson, I right. also think is kind of like. Uh, I mean, you can look at like the timeline of all that stuff too. At least like when was that shot? She's talking. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Are you close yeah. enough now where you just call her Miley? Yeah, exactly. What's up with you? You spend like five minutes in America, you think you just call her Miley, huh? Yeah. Are you having a party in the USA right now? Uh-huh. Is that what's going on? <laughs> he is going on a coke binge with her later. <laughs> no, it's like Salvia. She doesn't even like do real drugs. She does like teen drugs. What's Probably. It's a teen drug. Salvia. It's isn't like it, we- legal it, weed or whatever. Well, isn't whatchamacallit all about doing ecstasy, the... I feel like doing Molly. I feel like yeah. I have like, to get Molly explained to me. Oh okay. Because I'm old. I it's actually a crab don't. Apple, right? <laughs> I feel like it's like it's it's what some like souped up version of MDMA or something yeah. of ecstasy. My uh, my seventeen year old sister constantly has my mom saying, "Don't do Molly," <laughs> and I find it so incredibly uncool that it's, it's like. I was like, the best way you get her to never do that drug is just right. talk about it. <laughs> don't do Molly. Don't do Salvia. Don't do Ritalin. I don't know what the Adderall, if you like. Is, mm-hmm. Stay yeah. away from Terry Richardson. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just everything is just bad. You know what? Just stay yeah. home. Just stay home. Yeah. That's what I do. Stay home with the first two Gaga albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feel good about yourself. Yeah. Whatever. But I, I still, like, I do still enjoy her. Um... And, you know, I love her hanging out with Donatella Versace and them dressing exactly the same. And I don't know, there's just something that, that warms my heart. That seems heart like a terrifying that. human being that I have no reason to be terrified of. Donatella? Yeah. I love Donatella. There was a really good. Ma- I love made for TV movies so much. We were kind of. Robin and I were kind of talking about our, like, trash TV fixation yeah. at SBX. She likes the, the live show. Love live shows. Telling her about my love of uh, British reality shows. The wife? Yeah. Wife show, like. Housewives, Mob Wives, House Flies, all that shit. I just love it. Like, I <laughs> Real can't. House Flies. Exactly. Of Atlanta. I can't get enough of that. But, like, I can't tell any of them apart. I don't know what is ever going on. The problems are all exactly the same. Like, you disrespected me. Now we're fighting one, at a club. I'm doing one at a comic convention. Like, yeah, the real housewives of um, cartoon, like cartoonist housewives. Or just cartoonists being mad. The real, the real housewives of cartoonists. And it's just a, a bunch of people are just like, ugh. Look, I don't care. I don't care who which Green Lantern we're talking about. <laughs> it would be a whole different. Like, you could definitely have like satellite shows. You know, you could have like um, the mainstream comic show, and then like the indie. No, that's comic the thing. Show. You have indie. You mix. You know, you oh, get you Jim Lee's up. wife in there. Oh. And Dan Clow's wife, and that's where the clash comes from. Oh, that's interesting. Different ideologies. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Well, you know, like, uh, doesn't Eric Larson and Dan Clow's kids go to the same school? Oh, they fight all the time. <laughs> Do they? No. Yeah. That's funny. Probably. Yeah. Just the parent-teacher conference is super awkward. <laughs> Just they're, they're, they're both sitting there. <laughs> no, I'm not up to stuff. No, I haven't been reading Savage Dragons. I'm asking that. <laughs> Just do a pinup, man. That's awesome. Aww. So 
But yeah, you know. Gaga is over, sort of, but I still love her. Donatella is great. You're on the back cover of um, my, uh, my convoluted defense fund sketchbook. Oh, nice. I was wondering if you're planning on doing any more Operation Margarine comics, because it felt like, one of the things I really loved about it, it was just kind of like, just kind of like a point in time. Mm. Like it wasn't like, well, the story's done. Right, yeah. Um, maybe, I've like, at this point it's like I don't, I don't really look back on stuff. Yeah. And, I don't know, I mean, even like, even when this one was ending, I was like, I gotta figure out the next thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I have this real sort of fear of sentimentality, um, and any sort of nostalgia, like, I, I just try to resist it as much as possible. So, What, what do you yeah. fear of it? Like, I'm, I'm really afraid of just being stuck in, like, the past and not moving on and trying new stuff. I mean, like, the goal, like, for me is, you know, every time I'm going to do something different, but, like, I'm going to get you to love it every time. Mm -hmm. Like, that is what makes me feel really good, what makes me feel like I'm moving forward. And to, like... That's why I didn't want to do another science fiction comic, right. and that's why it's like I don't want to do another sort of, you know, B-movie biker mm -hmm. thing. It's like, I want to just keep fucking around with, like, genres and look at, you know, the stuff that I'm really influenced by now. Like, right now I really love Jean Rollin movies. Mm -hmm. um, super trashy <laughs> French director. Did a ton of, like, vampire, sleazy art films. Sarah Horrocks got me really into mm -hmm. him, because um, mm -hmm. she's just fucking the best. Um, right. But she has such an interesting way to look at things. She, the, the the thing is, Sarah Sarah Parks is a friend of ours that does a lot of. Um, she's she's a cartoonist who also writes a lot of very very kind of unique. She's a singular perspective on a lot mm -hmm. of things, and something I always find really fascinating about Sarah is that she doesn't she doesn't expect or even want to identify or like characters. And right, right, yeah. Well, she she watches a lot of really tough shit too yeah. like she you know for me to like sit down and watch like new french extremism movie it's just like all right i gotta be in a mood like i can't be too close to like any sort of emotional event in my life because i'm gonna feel fucking miserable sure. she'll be like oh yeah i just watched 29 palms it was kind of crazy and i'm like what the fuck like how do you just sit and watch that fucking movie like that's crazy she <laughs> Oklahoma. 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 It's all Midwest. Party in the you know, USA. She lives in okay. dirty America. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just having a party in the USA, and it's a big, dirty, dirty ass country. Yeah, but she's she's out there, and she's just like I don't know. I just, she she can just handle it. I can't handle stuff like that. Um, but we've been like, I I keep writing her. I'm like Sarah. We have to do like a podcast or something. That would like, be amazing. We're so cool. We have so many yeah. ideas. I'm glad you guys are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, like we can do it. And she's like, okay. Um, and then she'll get in touch with me a couple weeks later. Like, did you give any more thought to like equipment that we can use? And I'm like, no, but we should totally do it because it'd be so cool. And she'll be like, okay, I'll get in touch with you later. Like, you sort this stuff out, and then we'll put something together. You don't together. need equipment. Uh, well, I don't even think it's equipment, but it's more like. Like, what do you actually want to talk about? I'm talking about vampire outfits. Yeah, exactly. Talk Is about there an optimum vampire outfit? Um, well, right now it's like I'm I'm drawing. I only draw stuff that I feel like I would want to wear. Mm -hmm. This vampire is wearing underpants. Yeah, and I'm and I've and, been uh, and stockings. <laughs> and yeah, you you always wore a leather jacket for a while. Yeah, and it's that while making Operation Murder. Um, it was more kind of like, it's this weird, like, synthesis of stuff where, you know, I want, like, 
yeah, I, I always want to be wearing like a motorcycle jacket. So I'm going to draw that now yeah. because like that's just where I'm sort mm -hmm. of at. And for like nurse nerds, it's like, well, I'm always going to wear like A-line dresses. So like that's what I'm going to draw. So this is like weird kind of relationship between whatever I'm really into at the time and what I'm making. I get like very involved in it, you know. I'm very interested in talking to you about your vampire <laughs> mythos. Did you forget um, everything you ever thought you knew about vampires before you started this? Um, I was just kind of like, I don't give a shit. I was like, you know, I kind of know like, okay, well they can't go outside during the day and like sometimes they become vampires because other vampires have bitten them and they live forever and um, you know, and I was just like, I'll, I'll just add stuff to the mythology. Like, I don't care. Is there a, is there a turning your back on God kind of um, Dracula aesthetic to it all? Uh, not at this point. At this point, it's really just kind of like about like a fucked up sort of family mm -hmm. dynamic. And this like, basically it's like the vampire's name is Clover and she's just always trying to, she's being kept by her brother and she's always trying to get out and feed again mm -hmm. and he's trying to keep her in and like just, you know, collect blood for her from like, you know, cows and animals and like dead bodies and stuff that he can get um, and she's like, this is not like acceptable enough for me anymore because she's been like locked up for a long time. Great. So it's just her like and then, she, you know, kind of escaping into the world and then like just sort of starting... A new life as a vampire mm. outside of the confines of that like fucked up relationship with her brother right and how old is she at this at this point um i have her at 18 because i don't want to get in like real trouble <laughs> but it's like she's like 18 but she's been in that body for a long time okay yeah so so she's 18 physically but yeah it's not like um fucking blackjack which is the most problematic like you want to talk oh, about yeah. problematic fucked up character of all time which is i think her name is pinoco his assistant it's right? yeah uh, tezuka yeah yeah he has an assistant he didn't finish i don't know you know the phoenix i think is what you're thinking mm. okay. i'm sure he didn't finish a lot of things because he did eight that million comics right but yeah his assistant in it is basically like she was a uh, she was like a, another person's like a what's it called a conjoined twin mm -hmm. just made her a bunch of organs and he made like a body for her and, right. and separated her from her twin and then she's like this like I don't know five year old or something that's just decided that she's, she's like eight her. yeah yeah she's eight so she has like an 18 year old's mind but she's in this child's body so i like I always, I'm always like, oh, am I going to do it this time? Like, am I going to make something that's really fucked up like that? And I'm like, no, it'll be fucked up, but it'll still be, like, within the confines of the law, right. sort of. But I always feel like with, with I, like, with drawings, it's all lines on paper. Right. So even if you can do fucked up things, it's it's still, like, there's not a real, the Tezuka is right. never, it was not using a real <laughs> eight-year-old. Uh, no, it's not, point. it's not sympathetic magic like that. I... <laughs> I um, saw... Do you guys know the Abel Ferrara movie, Miss 45? No. Um, it's, uh, it's like a rape-revenge movie, and it's very campy. And I saw it um, during this film festival called Vengeance, Vengeance is Hers, which was at BAM. Mm -hmm. And I just saw, like, a... It was, I think it was, like, on my birthday or something. Um, and I love that movie. I love it so much. It's crazy. Um, it's kind of, like... like a little bit like Suspiria in terms of the colors, but it's also still like Abel Ferreira, so it's very sort of like hard-edged and like gritty New York, mm -hmm. um, which is great. But uh, at the end of the movie, this girl stood up and yelled at the audience that we were all scum. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's a Brooklyn audience. And were you eating a baby at the time? <laughs> well, I just came, came from having one, but I mean, it's not a big deal. But like it's a Brooklyn audience, and they're very 
sympathetic to her. Like, they're like, what did you say? Like, we want to hear you out. You know, it was very polite. Um, and she was like, you're all scum for laughing at a raped woman. Because there are a lot of really funny parts of that movie. And I was just kind of like, that felt really disheartening to me. Because I'm like, you know, this isn't... Um, the, you you weren't complicit in, in anything. This was right. a movie that you watched. And also, you decided to stay until the very end right. to yell at all of us for watching this. Like, well, it's it also, like, is, is, like, I don't know the context of the humor in the movie, but is it, like, because It's someone's... not cheap. Like, it's not cheap shots at, like, ha-ha, like, this was... It's, it's all sort of, like, she's taking revenge out on these guys, and it's, like, any guy. You know, and it's kind of funny in that sort of, like, slapstick murder sort of way. Well, I wanted, like, because a woman was raped, do we automatically always have to, like... Put it in that sort of, like... I'm trying to figure out the words to say, and someone else may say them better. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's well, like, right. does that automatically victim put someone as a permanent victim right. and right. take that independent agency away from them, like... Right, exactly, exactly. And it's like, um, you know, the... She's you know, raped in the film, and, and that's treated very, it's not sensationalist, it's very sort of, like, matter-of-fact, like, this is what happens, yeah. and she kind of experiences, like, PTSD in it, and that's very real, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but just the fact that, you know, she's, she goes ballistic and starts, you know, killing, like, every man that she sees, it, it's very vindicating seeing that, um, and I don't, I don't think it's, like, a cheap, cheap thing at all, so it was just, it was such a weird thing for yeah. me, and I, and it, it's kind of, like, I feel like there's this cultural shift where people are starting to feel more complicit in the stuff that they see. Hmm. And it's like, this is a representation of a representation. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. We're not, we're not scum. You stayed the whole time. Like, if okay. we're scum, like, what are you, you know? Like, did you sit there and be like, no, 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 the, the entire movie? Yeah. So that was, that was really, really odd to me. Huh. And that, that really actually bummed me out for a, a good few days. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what she thought of Death Proof. <laughs> that girl? Or me? <laughs> that girl. I love Death Proof. I like I, the other one better. But, yeah. Planet Terror? Yeah. I didn't like Planet Terror. Planet Terror was a little more campier. Death Proof just was just like, like didn't stuff. stop. Was it because it had Fergie in it? I don't remember Fergie in it. What was she? She was like the... She the that herself on girlfriend stage. that... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> also that. She I was, don't remember that one. It's not. A, it's. Not, I, don't, I don't know why I'm trying to remind you of Fergie's acting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up after this. But like the main complaint that I heard from people about Death Proof was like, girls don't sit around and talk about stuff like that. And I was like, first of all, it's a movie. It's not gonna be about anything <laughs> it fucking wants to be. And second of all, like I sit around and talk about shit like that all the time. Like how? Well, like stop hanging out with lame people. I guess. What are you guys talking about, Claire's? Like, come on. So anyway, that's all. That's my rant about that. Yeah. But, I don't know. Girls can talk about whatever they want. On video or not. There's no rules. Like, we're having girl talk right now. Oh, yeah. It's going great. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we already talked about Lady Gaga. Yeah. What else is there? Housewives. The we had cannolis. That was great. We got one left. Oh, yeah, it's important that we mention that we're um, eating cannolis out of a... Is it a gun-shaped ashtray? Yeah, it's a gun-shaped ashtray. Just FYI. There it is. We got one left. It's oh, vanilla. Here in this, here in this uh, Katie Skelly comic book that we're... That yep. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like... 
I, when I was looking for an apartment, I was like, I just, I want one that is going to feel, like, small enough that it feels like I'm in a spaceship. Like, mm -hmm. that's always my Was this Nurse goal. Nurse era that you were working on? Um, this was right after I finished Nurse Nurse. Um, but I always have this, this fantasy of, like, I always, I don't know, do you ever, like, think about, like, the ultimate place where you'd want to live? Mm -hmm. My ultimate place where I always want to live is, like, I want to have a really small apartment in Tokyo and, like, just be able to drink beer and smoke cigarettes and like watch TV in it. Mm -hmm. What is that? That's like sad. <laughs> Why well, is that what I want? Apartment fan fiction. I had a friend <laughs> who did this really fun thing where, and and he it would be it would be a cool thing to to put together a, a Zenith or something. But he he's he drew his like um, his fictional. He's like I'm gonna draw a fictional girlfriend and I'm gonna draw what her apartment looks like. And it's really like just like not self-conscious at all. So yeah. it's interesting. I mean, maybe that's almost like you doing that for yourself. Maybe, yeah. Because it's I don't know. I don't I don't live a very like protected inside life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a job. I go out and I deal with the world. And you know, I'm not I'm not like a. I, I think I used to be a very shy person, and now I'm not. You know, just kind of like by necessity. I think right. being here has really sort of helped that. Like, if they fuck up your bagel order, you have to correct it. Like, you can't just let everything slide. Um, right. They that's took the best example. Bagel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I asked for peanut butter. This baby this is This is screwed. <laughs> it's, I asked for rare. This uh -huh. is fucked up. Um, but yeah, just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to, like, be locked up away from the world in that. And maybe that's what this new comic's about, too. I think all of the stuff I've done to this point has that sort of thread of, like, characters that want out of whatever they're doing. Right. So what, do you have uh, a full story structure for the vampire comic now? Um, I'm doing it the way I always do it, which is, like, I know stuff that I want to hit on in the comic, mm -hmm. but I don't have, like, a precise plan of how exactly I'm going to get there. Because I feel like the times that I have done that, it's just... Um, I've just kind of fallen on my, my face and gotten too mired in the details. And do you, do you pre-plan your pages at all? Um, just like right before I start on. And kind of page by page go, or is mm -hmm. it scene by scene? Um, page by page, usually. Because mm -hmm. I just kind of like, I know, like, around this point in the story, like, this should happen, you know, whatever. And to this point, it's like, that's helped me keep things weird and loose, and I like that. Um, so, yeah. And I think, you know, once I cross the, like, ultimate <laughs> skelly pinnacle that I was talking about before, then I'll probably have to start a new method of mm. doing something different. Because I don't want to, I don't want to just do the same thing every time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you're lucky because my upstairs neighbors used to have like a million kids. And I don't know where they are anymore. I don't know if they moved out or what, but there used to be pitter-patter, pitter-patter of, li yeah, exactly, of little idiots. <laughs> Constantly, and mm. they're gone. So I'm very, very happy about that. Maybe it was a dog. I don't even know. But it's not up there anymore. Now I just have someone who pulls out chairs. Nice. A lot. I feel like I feel like we're I feel like we're slowing down here, and I don't even have a good segue for this. But <laughs> before we started talking, you mentioned how you mentioned dealing with a game disorder. I felt yeah. like that was. I felt like that was it. We didn't want to get into that before then, but I, I did want to. I did want to touch on that because yeah. you were willing to. Yeah. Um, what do you want to? What do you want to know? I mean, it's very oh, outside direct, Brandon. <laughs> well, no, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate think it's that. really. Um, I think it's really fascinating that, like, cartoonists are often you know, fucked up people that have real problems. You know, I'm, I've certainly had 
you know, my share of depression and, uh, you know, health issues in my life. And it, and I, I do feel like that oftentimes other people that are, that are, that are listening to these things are very, uh, you know, they can feel like they're in a bubble where they don't, where they're, you know, they look at creators and, and don't, um, you know, and don't think of them as people that have the same problems as them. So I think this stuff is really important and, and cool to talk about. Yeah. So uh, was it was it something that you dealt with your entire life, or was it? Um, it was something that like started coming up for me, um, kind of in my like mid twenties. Like mm-hmm. I always, I think one of the reasons that I started drawing was because I always felt like at odds with my body, and like I wanted to look a certain way, and like genetically that was just sort of impossible for me mm. because I like you know at the same time that I was reading comic books I was also reading like fashion magazines right. and obsessing over that and like mm-hmm. you know that's a thread that's sort of been with me my whole life is I've always loved clothing and I love I don't know fashion design and I don't know I love just like dressing and whatever all that sort of fun shit and just seeing these images that were like that looks no, like I must not be like a human like there's you know if that's sort of like the ideal because you're young you, you don't right. understand that it's like okay the clothes just hang off a body better that way or and like it's more suitable and they're a lot photoshopped at this point right at this point yeah. yeah but like kind of coming up in like the 90s and seeing like you know Kate Moss and like I started like really obsessing over her and being like she's so cool and then like supermodels are such a big deal and I don't know, I just, I always really felt like, like, oh, like, I, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I had, like, a super unglamorous, like, life growing up, and it was very um, Catholic and very, like, regimented, and, mm-hmm. you know, we played sports, we were very boyish, and I was, in my, in my heart, I always wanted to be, like, more sort of feminine, and that was sort of what I thought it meant to be feminine, I was like, mm-hmm. I'll never be that, and so just always, like, having that in the back of my head, and then... College was really hard for me because I didn't study comics. I studied art history, but I always wanted to be um, a cartoonist. I just kind of figured, like, I'll study this thing, and then I'll be able to figure out some work, and then, you know, whatever. Um, So just kind of, like, denying that part of myself, and then being very sort of, like, OCD in college, and then, you know, seeing sort of my friends, like, get into some, like, rough shit. I just, like, I couldn't take it. And so, you know, I just, like started fucking around with all kinds of stuff and um it was something that just sort of stayed with me um till then and then for whatever reason the last couple of years it got really bad and like I think um having nurse nurse come out and like being sort of more like public than I had been before like I really felt this pressure of like I don't know I need to look a certain way to get this book to sell I need to be at a show and be like Mm -hmm. this but I don't know it was so weird like and like you know you look back on it and you're like really like I really lost my shit over going to like comic book shows and stuff like that but um it it really felt like suddenly being thrust into the public in this way certainly in in probably a much more mild version I, I totally understand that I avoid looking at photos of myself, photos of myself <laughs> even though I'm a total narcissist. And, um, Constantly Googling them. So. <laughs> well, that's business. Let's that's, be that's honest. Chalk <laughs> it up to business. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, Simon Hanselman was, was, it was, uh, 
in, in, in full drag and, and I was just and, and I was asking about it and he was like, I'm just a guy like you. I'm just <laughs> a guy like you, Brandy. I Google myself all day. And I was like, if you think that myself <laughs> is the worst thing I look up on the internet. <laughs> but um Yeah. But it is it's like um I don't know. I, I constantly yeah, it's like the dichotomy of like margarine and bonbon. It's like you could be inside and be protected and be inside right. with your disorder, or you could just say fuck it and try to leave that stuff behind. And right. it was um, that was really yeah, that was really hard. Um, right. And I I was working through a lot of that stuff. Like I was in a you know program and like you know talking with other like bulimics and um so it reached a point where you decided that you're yeah going to need help yeah and it was um i was in i was in therapy already but i never talked about it in there i was mm-hmm. i don't know for like a year of therapy i was like i just never brought it up because it was something i think that i never wanted to admit to myself um even so I was like let me let me take care of this other shit and then like that'll go away sort right. of on its own um, and it didn't. And yeah, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and was it, was it something that was, was easy to improve once you started working on it or? Um, no, I still, I still have a really, like, I wish I could say like everything is great, but I still have a really hard time. And I just, I've kind of accepted like I always will. Like, I'll always see a photo of myself and, like, just destroy myself. I'll always, um, anytime I, like, Hmm. eat anything, I'll always think, like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Even if it was, like, a perfectly reasonable meal and I was hungry and it was normal. You know, like, I'll never, I I just, but, like, accepting that, Mm -hmm. like, that's just kind of, like, who I am has been really helpful. Because the last thing you want to do is start that spiral of, like, I had a feeling, and the feeling was bad, and now, like, I'm mad at myself for having that feeling, and just endless fucking shit, um... Are there any specific exercises that help kind of pull you out of Um, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, like... And I don't mean, like, physical (laughs) exercises, that's not what I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah, no, I guess you. Um, I think, like, just, you know, having really solid friendships, and not being afraid to say, like... I'm having a hard time right mm-hmm. now. And recognizing when you have friendships that you can't broach those sort of subjects in and being like, is that person sort of really my friend? Right, right. Like getting rid of sort of like all the, like, I don't know, it's anything nice. toxic. It's like you just start clearing right. everything out. So um, something I think about all the time is, is, um, is, is all, you know, I'll be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with how I look in this thing. And I'll be like, oh, uh, is that, I'll think about in relation to other people. I'm like, like the people that I think are really awesome, do I think they're awesome because they, because they look good in a tank top, or right. are they just awesome human beings? And how exactly you know focusing on the important things? Yeah, exactly. No, that's been that's been really helpful for me too. And I think like the more the books do well, the better that I feel about all that stuff too. Because it's like you know I'm not reaching like you said I'm not reaching people because I look this way. I'm reaching mm-hmm. people because the work is good, and right. that's. That's what's going to matter. Um, so all that sort of, like, pressure about doing X, Y, Z and, you know, falling into all those sort of compulsions. Like, it does, it definitely does improve. Does that ever fall into your into your creative work? Um, yeah. I mean, it, like, this is, like, pure escapism for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, just being able to be, like, I don't feel like 
I like myself, so I'm going to make something that looks really beautiful to me. And just right. creating worlds for yourself sometimes. Um, that's been really helpful. And I think that, like, like I said before, that sort of upward trajectory has really helped me reach into sort of lower stuff. Right. Because I'm like, I'm not afraid of that shit anymore. Like, I don't need something that's going to protect me. Mm-hmm. I can do something that's going to be a little bit, like, you know, scarier to me. Right. So is creating the work for you always a, always a positive experience? Um... I always feel good after I get things done, after I get things drawn. Like I know a lot of cartoonists certainly have, like, just you talking about, like, having to accept certain things. I think a lot of people get caught up in, you know, oh, I didn't do enough pages and I'm doing enough work, mm-hmm. and it almost becomes like a, a self-abuse kind right. of... No, that definitely, that definitely happens to me. And, like, I think, um, like, one thing I really hated about school and about college was, like, homework you know and I still will wake up in the middle of the night and be like I have homework um but just that idea that like you're never done like you have yeah. you know you're never gonna be finished but then you think about it and you're like okay well what does it mean to get to a point where I have nothing to do that's like suicidal ideation like why yeah. do you want to get to that point yeah. you know um it's so not like it's good. you can rush through your life and be done Well, it's faster. like, exactly. <laughs> There's that balance Can't there in a home. Like <laughs> doing something for yourself or doing something for other people. Mm-hmm. School is doing stuff for other people. It's right, not, exactly. It's not for yourself. It's not for my brain. I'm not doing nothing. And like, within my own work, like when I find it doing shows for other people and not for myself, like you can hear on episodes where I'm like, I don't want to be doing this and <laughs> I should have not agreed. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's... Hard. How to make something exciting for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, I just like, yeah, having having people, like I did that, this interview with the Comics Journal and just kind of like touched on some of that stuff a little bit and I got just messages from people like, thank you for talking about that. Yeah. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Even if it was from people that were telling me like I've never been through anything like that but it was just really great to hear that you're like, a normal person and you're doing okay now right. that's I don't know that's really good I don't really I don't tend to engage with you know the comics world like that I think I'm very sort of private I don't really yeah. talk too much about what's actually going on in my life because I'd rather just focus on the work and be like here's what I'm drawing here's right. what I just put out here's a t-shirt all that sort of stuff um, so yeah to, to kind of be a human being in that world is nice sometimes yeah. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> There's something neat about um, how doing the the Tumblr comic is really also giving you some anonymity. Yeah. Where like we're talking before about having to hand sell and mm-hmm. really being that dependency on being the face with your comics, and now you're doing something where you can really be yeah. anyone, and if folks are getting it, they're getting probably a fair amount of people read it without realizing the name attached even no exactly exactly and I think I think that is cool it does kind of scare me a little bit because you know it's like like the image that we used for the bonbon t-shirt like someone had just kind of scanned that from the book and put it up on tumblr and I found it I was like oh that's cool like let me reblog it and now it has like 50,000 notes on it Mm -hmm. of like teens being like oh yeah like I get this whatever like oh that's so cool oh shit, do they know who I am? Like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, but they probably don't. They they probably don't. I mean, I've had like one or, you know, not one or two, but a bunch of people, you know, go on there and be like, this is Katie Skelly, and like reblog it and whatever. Right. Um, and that's cool. Like, I always, I appreciate that. On, on one level, I feel very sort of like, 
frightened that like, oh my god, there's stuff out there with my name not attached to it and it's mine and it's odd. But on the other hand, I'm kind of like, oh, this thing is like becoming iconic. Yeah. And that's cool. So yeah. it's a weird balance of those two things. I'm always fascinated by that because like it's the, the credit is extremely important for folks to be credited for the work they do. Right. But uh, there's also um, kind of understanding the zeitgeist and how things can take a life of their own mm-hmm. and needing to be okay with that. Right. Like you, as you put something out into the world, it's going to have a life of its own and you can't right. like hold on to it. Yeah. that's a really fascinating thing about, you know, thinking about, you ever have that experience where you see a book that you're very fond of in a bookstore and you're like, how did my book get here? Right. And it's almost <laughs> like, like thinking of a piece of work that you created that's even more personal than somebody else taking ownership of it in a way. And right. just be like, you know, oh, that's the, uh, that's my coaster that I use. <laughs> <laughs> your, your work has been a fantastic coaster. Right. But, no, you know. exactly. Yeah. I get that weird sort of like, um, it, it does feel like that nerd sort of ownership of stuff like when I found out that there was going to be a reprint a retranslation of Barbarella I was like what? <laughs> like <laughs> do you know my struggle of finding it on eBay and getting the one with right. Jane Fonda on the cover and it's like a weird translate like do you know my struggle? I don't think you do <laughs> and now it's like oh he's good at it Midtown yeah, <laughs> and I, I wanted to look at uh, it we, we talked to Kelly Sudeconic mm-hmm. about the tra- I don't know if we got too deep into the translation a little bit yeah not too much. Yeah. It's you can only get so deep when you're just talking about translation. Right. In a way. <laughs> well, unless you are also fluent in both those languages, I feel like. You yeah. know? And, and even not, that is... Oh, wow. She's just getting the dialogue and the Hebrew. Oh, oh yeah, I gotcha. She she, remember talking about her being a big fan of the, the original one and trying to, wanting to keep the intent. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. But there's that, that thing of like, um, like I've avoided the Kim Thompson Menara books because mm. the the old Catland Communications or whatever versions I have, I'm so fond of. Right, right. But it would probably be a more accurate representation of the original work. But when I was 14, it wasn't the awesome thing <laughs> yeah. to memorize. <laughs> it just becomes a weird personal. See, that's why I'm afraid of nostalgia. You're not going to move forward. You're not going to look at that new version. Yeah, that You're going to be stuck when you're yeah. 14. I'm just going to be some asshole dirty <laughs> pair of comics taped with a wall. <laughs> Interviewing no, Katie Scully. Exactly. In my lovely queen's home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Welcome to my home. I have a cannoli and a gun. In a gun. <laughs> um, I have a really funny story to tell you guys really quick, which is that Jim Rugg offered to teach me how to shoot guns. Um, I was in Pittsburgh in August, and I was like, I'll, I was just talking about stuff that I really want to do. And one thing I really want to do is shoot a TV, like Elvis. Mm-hmm. And Jim was like, have you ever shot a gun? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, okay, we'll come back. And I, he's like, why didn't you tell me I would have set it up? And I was like, mm-hmm. why would you think I would be coming here to shoot guns with you? Specific? Like, I'm doing a signing. What do you think? <laughs> okay. This is exactly. And he's like, okay, come back. And, you know, I'll take you to, like, my, my parents' place. And I'll, you know, teach you how to shoot. And he's like, I'll teach you. I'll, like, work you up so you're not afraid of the kickback. Like, we'll start small. <laughs> so... Jim Rugg. He's a great dude. Nice. So did you do it? Um, no, because, you know, I was only there for a few days, and I just had the signing. But he's apparently going to put something together for me, so I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. I had Gary really Roth to that. try and convince me I need to come and shoot things and blow things up with the Fanographics team sometimes. The Fanographics team is so into that. Away from our Canadians. 
I I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna bring cannolis from Queens. I'm gonna be like we can have a little spread. We're gonna shoot stuff. We good. Talk about aphrodisiac, whatever. We great. <laughs> we good. Thank you so much for inviting us into your stellar home and introducing us to your very gentle cat. Yeah, you're welcome. She loves you guys, obviously. Yeah. And yet you gave us all these warnings and She's been good. She's been well. I mean, you know, Brandon was fucking with her a little bit, but he does. That. I I prepped her for that. I was like, look, I got two assholes coming over. I don't know what to tell you. I had a <laughs> my last cat was a bit of a terror to the wrong Aww. people. Um, I she was she was fine with me. I didn't care. It's like you treat her badly, you're gonna get fucked up. And yeah, exactly. Brandon would fuck with her and get fucked up. No, I I wasn't <laughs> fucking with her. I just watched the Hellraiser films. And she <laughs> That's what you get for watching shitty movies. One dream come true, you only 